0: I'm Mike Gorman, and you're listening to the Celtics Pod Podcast for Celtics Blog. Here's your host, Adam Taylor.
1: What's going on, Celtics fans? What's going on, Facebook Live? What's going on, long time listeners, new listeners? You know, in between the road, I've been listening to a couple of episodes here and there, listeners. As usual, it's your boy Adam Taylor, joined by my boy, my compadre, my home dog, Mr. Will Weir, and we are not happy. Not not happy with a game, not not happy with a few games, we are not happy, period. Why? Because this team just does not have a path. We're looking at a complete and out to sea, with no compass, no sonar equipment, we're just doing circles right now, trying to figure out why everything looks the same. you know why it looks the same? Because we're going in circles. Will, how you doing today,
0: bro? Yo, what is going on, Adam? You are on one today. Uh, yeah, I mean, there, there's no sugarcoating it here. You know, this, this is feeling like we're a, little, a couple days past Christmas. Big lump of coal for the Celtics. There's, there's no other way to say it.
1: So, like, I was watching the Santa Claus. I look, Like, for me, it's not Christmas until I watch Tim Allen's Santa Claus. Like, uh, always been. That's my Christmas movie. You know what I mean? Like, I watch that movie. I'm like, right, it's Christmas. And I always... I'm big on like you do Santa Claus one, then Santa Claus two. So I don't know if you're familiar with these films. Oh, of course. In, in Santa Claus 2, it's been a while,
0: I'll say that though. It's, it's not part of my consistent uh, you know Christmas rotation. <laughs> yeah, the but rotation. I have seen yeah. So
1: in Santa Claus 2, he replicates himself because he has to go and find a wife, right? And the replica becomes yeah. out and he's like, right, everybody's getting cold for Christmas because everybody's naughty and nobody's following the rules. That's how I feel about the Celtics right now. No one knows what they're doing. They're all giving us lots of calls, so we need to find a way to start getting some payback. And right now, I'm feeling fired up, and I'm not usually this emotional when it comes to my analysis, but I've had enough.
0: So Yeah, man. You ain't taking it no more. I mean, just just to give the, the people either on Facebook or listening to us here on the podcast, you know, I mean, Adam and I were chatting for a little bit like we do, you know, pre-show, kind of running through what we're going to talk about. You know, Adam's in full Stephen A mode right now. So he's he's got some – I was I almost swore for a second I don't want to make any extra work for you here, Adam. But Adam's, Adam's got some stuff to say, and you people are going to hear about it.
1: Yo, for real, man. I mean, the first things first, the, the one thing that really tipped me over, it ground my gears, it got my goat, it bamboozled me, hoodwinked me. I am going full Stephen A right there. <laughs> was following the game, Jalen Brand sitting in the media room talking to the press and – his, one of his reasons for the team playing poorly was we've got no chemistry right now. There's too many guys in and out of protocols with the roster, the lineups changing, and blah, 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 blah. Crimea River, where's Justin Timberlake at right now? At the end of the day, <laughs> every team in the league is going through this. You know what I'm saying? The team that just beat you, the team that beat you down like a naughty schoolboy that tried to steal someone's lunch money, had less good players than you. There was no Carl Anthony Towns. There was no D'Angelo Russell. There was no Anthony Edwards. Nas Reid, one of the best backup big men in the league, weren't there. No Jared Vanderbilt, a very solid defensive wing. They weren't there. They still came out and won. They found a way to turn Greg Monroe into a level three Super Saiyan and just absolutely dominated you from every moment he touched the ball. They weren't making excuses. They were more depleted than you, Jalen Brown. You're sitting there making excuses. You are the most talented player on that court, that that, that game. What, I get it. He also turned around and held himself accountable. That's completely fine. I accept that. That's very. Uh, it's a mature thing to do. It's a very self-aware and humble thing to do. Is to hold yourself accountable when you want to perform. I'll give you full credit for what for doing that. That I believe that was a a very good sign in your growth as a player, and you've done that previously. So kudos. But at the end of the day, saying you need to be better and being better are two completely different things. And we've heard you say you need to be better multiple times. We have yet to see. And I'm, I'm getting very frustrated with the, the the constant, the team isn't healthy. There's too many players missing. Well, the team like Miami that have just been, you know, just ran off a of five five wins, one loss in the last six games without Bam Adebayo, without Jimmy Butler, still relying on people coming in and out of their rotation. They had said a thing about it. They haven't said that there's no continuity. Why? Because it's next man up mentality. And I just feel like we're getting a lot of words, a lot of, there's a lot of narrative and rhetoric that we keep hearing from these these losses, but there's nothing being put into action. Where is the tangible success from the action plan you keep telling us you have?
0: Yeah, I mean, that's, this, and this is, you know, I don't think this is just a Jalen thing. I think this is an email thing. I think this is a, you know, a, a widespread thing that we've, we've seen throughout the season. And, you know, it's 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 a lot of a lot of talk, a lot of words, a lot of acknowledgement to a degree, certain parts of self-awareness. But the action hasn't been there. And, you know, when it comes to like when it comes to injuries and when it comes to COVID, it's it's insane. But it's insane everywhere, man. This is not a singular Celtics problem. To your point, last night against the Minnesota Timberwolves, you can't even call them the Minnesota Timberwolves like like half their team was not there. Greg Monroe, who you talked about, woke up at 4 a.m., signed with the team, flew to Minnesota, had a canceled flight, had to reroute through Chicago, got to the the arena just a few hours before the game, met his head coach for the first time ever in his life, two hours before tip-off. By the post-game presser, just like we were finding out about Nathan Knight and Jay Norwell, so was he. So was he. So the fact that you have a couple guys out, and, and yeah, of course, Jason Tatum being out hurts, but you have Jalen Brown, you have Al Horford, you have Robert Williams, you have Romeo Langford, you have Peyton Pritchard, you have multiple guys that are a part of your consistent rotation, and you can't beat basically a G League team? Get get out of here with that. I mean, that's pretty much like, you know, you just can't have that. You can't have that. The excuses can't be there. Every team is dealing with it. You know, when it and with Jalen... It was tough, man. So I didn't. So let me tell you this: I I, I pulled a uke in a way. I I wasn't able to watch the game live last night, but obviously being in the same, you know, being in the U.S., I knew what happened. I knew it was lost. I knew that there was frustration. So I tried to hold off everything, and I watched it this morning with my cup of coffee. I was expecting a worse game, but there were certainly moments where Jalen Brown's play, like there were just passes that he was making that 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 they weren't there. They weren't, you know, the plays weren't there. He wasn't seeing things correctly. And when you're supposed to be, when he's the clear-cut best player on the team, on the floor, when you take both teams into account, last night is just a result you can't have.
1: So here's my take, right? And I I kind of, I felt this way for a while, but last night kind of really consolidated it for me. Jalen Brown is a star second supplementary player. He's a supplementary star. He's, and I'm not saying he's as good as, or he is like, or his skill set is mirror imaged up. But I'm saying in terms of comparison, Jalen Brown will always be a Scotty Pippin. Jalen Brown will never be a Michael Jordan, a lead scoring guard. Oh, sorry, a lead scoring star. I just don't see it for him. I think that this was one of the best opportunities Brown could have had to go out there and show the teams around the league. Obviously, his contract's still a few years away, but people remember when you really put people unnoticed, they remember... Jalen Brown went out there and took care of business. He was the best player on the floor and he conducted himself like a star. He conducted himself like no one on that floor deserved to lace up his shoes. He didn't do that. He went out there too tentative um, like you said, some of the passes he was trying to throw weren't there. He wasn't playing the type of basketball that would be conducive to him having a good game, drive and kick, rotate off ball. I felt very much like he was trying to lead by example, but that example was bad. And in, as a result, he led by poor example. We got poor results. Um, actions reflect leadership is always a, a saying that I like to kind of look back on. And I feel like Jaden Brown's leadership led to some poor actions down
0: the, down the line. So two things on that, Adam. So so number one, let, let's talk about the the Scottie Pippen being being a number a number two, which to be honest, there's nothing wrong with that. And my question would be, did you? Because right now you're you're very much on on one when it comes to Jalen Brown. Not so, just Jalen Brown, not just Jalen Brown, but just for this for the, for the sake of this this section of the of the okay, conversation, yeah, fair enough. You know, like does that was your Because to me, I feel like that's how I've always viewed him as a number two. So I'm not entirely – like for me, it doesn't change my perception. For you, was there a perception – not just before this game, but I guess throughout this season, that maybe he was actually a number one or could be a one or could be, you know, if you look back to the Lakers when they won the championship in the bubble, we kind of looked at it as like, oh, they're a one and a 1A. Now, maybe that maybe that's changed since the way things have gone since then. But like I've, to me, every time we've talked about the Jays and, and we talk about them kind of collectively, to me, the hierarchy has, has for the most part always been Tatum's the one, Jalen's the two, Tatum's the guy that we see as potentially, you know, has the potential to put himself in an MVP conversation, in a top 10, in a first or second team All-NBA, whereas to me, Jalen's more, you know, he's an all-star, he's a star, he's, maybe he'll get a couple of third-team All-NBAs, but that's where he is, And, and that's, there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. Did you view that differently based on what you're saying now feels like potentially but I don't want to speak for you.
1: Yeah, so I'm not saying that I ever viewed him as a primary option on offense, but for me there's a difference between being a co-star of a team. Like Paul George is a co-star of the Los Angeles Clippers. Kawhi Leonard goes down, you can rely on Paul George to keep your offense to a very, to a very specific level in terms of his production, right? And that's kind of what I was expecting from Jalen Brown's development, especially this year, based on his linear progression. Very few mm-hmm. players have linear progression. Yeah, was we, we've Brand talked about to, that before too. Was Jalen Brown to emerge as a co-star, whether that be a secondary star like a one, a take him a one, Brown a two, or a one A and one B. However you want to look at it, it was a co-star. Now I feel like he's a supplementary star, and I feel like we've got enough kind of cachet in the bank over his career to be like, right, you're never going to be that co-star. You're always going to be that two or three second or third option. Do you know what I mean? So
0: yeah I, th- I think I know oh, what I'm you're not
1: saying. saying I think that he was he was I'm not saying that I ever thought that he had the potential to be a J on Jason Tatum's level. Or mm-hmm. but I definitely felt like he could be that Paul George type guy that when Jason Tatum's not there, he can step up and give you a very specific you know what you're getting excuse me type of performance mm-hmm. where that's just not the case it's very clear to me based on multiple games where you know we've seen brown play without tatum on the floor for stretches as well not just with the player being out there's a lot of evidence of when tate when brown is being staggered with that second unit in his task with leading them that when he doesn't have a star player to play off of his effectiveness nosedives and he becomes more of a stagnant player and that to me tells me he's supplementary and he hasn't or he's incapable or it hasn't happened yet of him taking that step towards being a air quote co-star and that to me means that he now becomes maybe not expendable but if you can find a way to flip Jaden Brown for a co-star then that's something that you need to explore because at the moment you've got a supplementary star which means you need two good co- you need two co-stars for your supplementary star to shine does that make sense
0: i, I mean i think i know what you're what you're saying and then you know th- there's parts of it that i agree with and there's parts of it where i think that you know and, and this is a conversation that that separately that that you and our, our other co-host here as part of the three man we greg we're kind of having as to who jalen brown is six years in what he can still develop what he hasn't what he has or has not had the chance to develop and part of that in becoming that you know Co-star instead of being that pure number two guy, it is going to be the playmaking, right? And that's something that we've seen Jason Tatum, who's had more time without Jalen Brown on the floor, and he's been able to develop that at a at a quicker rate that, than Jalen Brown has. And so with Jalen, you know, it's it's one of those things where because he's continued to get better in a linear fashion, which is not normal. For me, it does lead me to believe that he could still be what, what you're qualifying as a co-star versus a pure just secondary scoring option. I still think it's possible. And and what I was looking to is, you know, I think of guys, we look at the Chicago Bulls right now, Adam, and they're having an amazing season. They're playing above the expectations. I thought they were going to be good. I didn't think they'd be this good. And a big part of that is is the is the way Zach Levine and DeMar DeRozan are working together, but something that I think is very key in their relationship. Now Lonzo is the main creator for that team, but something that's very key that I that I feel like I've noticed when watching them separately over the last couple of years is you know we go into a game we'll do kind of our pre-scouting reports, check in on you know at the time the Spurs and the Bulls, see how their players are doing, what stats they have, you know where they're where they're at in the league because we're so tuned into the Celtics that sometimes when their opposing teams come in, we got to do a little extra research, you know, on that team. And you'll notice over the last couple of years, Levine's been hovering right around five assists. DeRozan got up to just about seven in San Antonio and was around five, six, you know, the, the years before that. And that would always catch me as surprising as like, wow, these guys are at five assists. Maybe I should expect more from, from Jalen and from, and from Tatum as to where their assist numbers are. And then I'd watch the games and, and part of me would, would come to the conclusion, oh, those assist numbers are just that high because their teams aren't very good and they just have the ball in their hands more often. You know they don't have less. They have less response. They have more responsibility and less equal. You know, uh, equal levels of talent around them to distribute and, and share the load. But what I think you're seeing now with them in a competitive role in a more complete team, especially offensively, is that they're still having assist numbers in that four to five range. Their turnovers are both below three. Demar's over two to one ratio from assist to turnovers. But I think part of that is them having that opportunity to develop with the ball in their hands, be more of a, be allowed to make more mistakes, be creators. And that is something to be fair to Jalen that I don't think he's done a ton of in his career. And so with him getting better at every other aspect of his career as it's gone on, I don't think it's unreasonable to say that he can't get better at this. And I think this time, which we're not sure how long that will be with Jason Tatum and COVID protocols, that's the silver line that I'm hoping to take away from this is that he works on developing that rather than developing additional tunnel vision to saying, I just need to go one-on-one and do this and, and create some more, you know, ball stoppage within the offense so I think that's the, the the counterpoint to like the second thing I've just kind of gone long-winded here all the way around but I think that is something that Jalen could still develop and become a co-star however I think neither one of them is, is ever going to necessarily be the playmaker to the sense that you don't need to have another playmaker helping to initiate the offense which gets into a whole other litany of issues yeah, which we could, that, so, uh... that, that are with this team
1: I mean, so I'm just going to push back a little bit on the, the need, to, like Jalen Brown needs the ball in his hands to develop yeah. that playmaking a little bit more. And then I'm going to go into the second point you said about a playmaker. So the the reason that I feel this way, obviously I, I try very hard to have well-balanced and four outtakes. So this is one of the rare occasions you'll catch me a little bit emotional on things. Um, Jalen Brown over the last two seasons has had a 28% usage ratio. So the, every 28 out of 100... Now, how can I put this? So every time he's on the floor, the ball will touch his like he will initiate the offense twenty eight times, twenty eight point three percent of the time. Jason Tatum's so just to co- make a comparison is only at 31.5% so it's only a 2.5% difference in terms of usage rate on offense between these two guys Jason Tatum has developed into a guy that can read double teams can see over the trap can pass out of the trap can punish the trap can orchestrate out of the pick and roll a little bit more than what Jaden Brown can and I get it they've ran Tatum in pick and roll actions more to like expedite that development but Jaden Brown has the ball in his hands just as much, realistically, 2.5% is such a minuscule number that just as much as what Jason Tatum does. So if Tatum, if we're saying that Tatum's been given the opportunity to develop as a playmaker, well, that opportunity has been afforded to Brown at the same time because they, they share equal loads of the offense. Uh, so that would be my pushback there, especially considering the way that Stevens last year and Udoka this year have staggered the two quite considerably throughout games that both of them have had their opportunities to develop their passing skills. I just feel like Tatum's kind of been open to being coached in that region more than what I would say Brown has. Um Again, this comes back to like, you know, the, the, the Horford thing where he said no comment and whatever there. Like, I just okay. feel like, I feel like Tatum might just be a bit more of a coachable guy to be quite fair. And then you touched on the, uh, and obviously we don't know this, this is just conjecture. Um, I'm not saying I know it as a fact or from any sources because I have none. Um, the only sources I have are what's in my kitchen cupboard, you know. Um, <laughs> but and then you talk, you touch on, you know, maybe they need a playmaker. Now I, I've stopped calling, I've stopped saying the Celtics need a playmaker, and I've started viewing it more as they need a connector.
0: They, the, 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 the big thing. Tell me for, more about that. Tell me, tell me so, what you mean by a connector.
1: So somebody that can connect the connect the two of them together through playmaking, through their ability to read the offense, through their ability to initiate plays to force defensive rotations, whether they're on ball or off ball. Uh, if we want to keep with the Chicago Bulls and this is an example, I think one of the reasons that DeRozan and Levine are playing so well together is because they've plugged Lonzo ball in as that connector, as that guy that can initiate offense for them, can quarterback a little bit, and when he's off ball, he's moving off ball and creating defensive rotations based on his three-point shooting gravity, based on the way he cuts and the way he's coming off off off-ball screens. He's connecting the two of them together at all times because teams have to respect the pass. They have to respect the shot. He can can defend one through three, one through four on the perimeter. He can switch onto the block, which means he's constantly connecting the two stars together and taking pressure off them, allowing them to play in positions and areas of the floor that best suit them. Tatum and Brown don't have that and I don't think they've ever really had that I think that uh, Gordon Haywood was probably the best connector they've had and I think I think that he if he came back now healthy the way he's playing for the Hornets would solve 70 percent of what the Celtics are going through um, in terms of connecting so I think at the moment they don't need a playmaker as much as they need a connector sometimes that's hand in hand you know like Ricky Rubio I still die on this hill Ricky Rubio having a career year out in England would have been a fantastic connector for this team but you know you could look at like a Draymond Green who's not a playmaker would still be mm-hmm. a fantastic connector for this team from his ability to orchestrate offense vocally there's many ways you can do it but Question they just do have Adam. that guy
0: do you think Demonta Sabonis would be a guy like
1: that I think he's got he'd be closer to what they need than anything mm-hmm. they've got in the cupboard right now I just don't think I think his defensive, like, uh, so when I view a connector, I view it on both sides of the floor, right? It needs to be someone that really glues everything together. And I think that Sabonis would help be a connector on offense, but I think he'd leave a lot to be desired defensively. Do you think his defense is that bad? No, I think it's bad enough to the point where if you're trying to bark out orders on offense, but then you're getting beat on defense, are people still Mm going to keep listening to you? You know, I mean, one of the things that makes Marcus Smart such a a vocal voice within the Celtics locker room is the fact that he constantly gives you 150% on defense. That's why you can forgive him. Like The players will forgive him a couple of heat checks. But again, his passing also helps become part of that connection. Draymond Green, again, the reason he's such a vital cog in what the Warriors do is because his defense connects everybody it helps guys helps hide Steph Curry a little bit it helps expedite Clay Thompson on the break when he's healthy do you know what I mean it needs to be someone that really glues it all together I I mean I I mean
0: I think ideally in in an ideal world I 100% agree with you but you know I just think most like teams have to be and I think specifically the Celtics have to be okay with you know, a little bit more, more balance. Like when you look at a team like the Warriors or the Suns, you know, even the Jazz, you know, like you look at them and it's like, man, they have such great balance offensively, defensively. You feel like they can, they can be malleable. They can do a little bit of everything you want, but that's really, really hard to do. I think you can still be a really good team even if like, you know, with Marcus, because like you said, he gets a little bit of a pass at times because of how much he connects the defense. So if there's something on the offensive end, and this is not you know, I, I don't want to turn this into a bashing Marcus because that's not what this is, but using a guy like Sabonis on, on the other end, like I think sometimes maybe that trade-off of, of having that guy that connects you on offense, especially when you see how stagnant this offense becomes time and time again in the fourth quarter and having a guy like that, where if he's supported by guys that are, excellent wing defenders in the Jays if if, you know if it's possible to pull off a Sabonis deal and you're not giving up Rob Williams or Al Horford and you still have someone on that back line defense and then you plug in you know whether it's a a Josh Richardson or a Romeo I don't know whoever else is going to be on that perimeter like I think that still works because that's one of the big things for me with Ime is just like I think he really struggles at trying to find balance at specifically at key moments in games between when we need offense, when we need defense and how to, and, and how to kind of fluctuate between the two because that's what all those top teams can do is they can fluctuate between what they need and when they need it. And this team is really struggling to do that. And I think at times, you know, we're, we're looking for that perfect fit and it's a very imperfect roster. And so you have to kind of work with the tools that you have in the kitchen.
1: But then like, if you look at some of the best teams in the league right now, so you use Phoenix, if you could mm-hmm. name a player on Phoenix that you would class as their connector, who would it be?
0: As their connector. I mean, honestly, it's probably Mikael Bridges. Yeah, I've got, I've got Jay Crowder. Jay Crowder. I mean, I think, I think they're kind of they're cut from the yeah, same. Yeah, very club. similar. That's why I was like, yeah,
1: I've got Crowder. They're very similar. They're going to give you defensive ability. They're going to give you offensive ability. We're not talking about a star. We're talking about a guy that can be your your pillar. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. He can. You can plug him in, and he's your pillar on both sides of the floor. He's going to be able to lead you. You look at Utah. You could lean on Mike Conley as that guy. You could maybe even look at Royce O'Neill, He's very important for what mm-hmm. they do. Doesn't you know? You look over at uh, Golden State. I've said it's Draymond. You look in the East um, for for like Brooklyn right now. You'd probably argue it was Nick Claxton. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> the, do, do you know what I'm saying? The, the, the east Celtics, is funky, just, but
0: yeah, I get your point. Yeah, <laughs> you know what I
1: mean the Celtics just don't have that guy. They know that they they're, they're going to rely on for a consistent performance that ties everything together on both sides of the floor. They just don't have that guy. And honestly, I think that if Brown could develop into that role, then being that secondary star there would be perfect. But right now, I don't have the faith that he will. Um, I also, when you talk about Udoka, I just have no faith in his coaching um, at the moment. I genuinely Uh... believe that a lot of that comes down to, like, here's an example. You're, You're coaching this game against the Timberwolves. It's far closer than what you expected it to be. You're in the last three minutes of the game. Timberwolves are leading a little bit. It's it's still it's achievable, you know what I mean? Or you're just right around, you're tied up or whatever it was. I can't remember the exact score. a good coach then starts calling out set plays from the sideline. You start calling out whatever it is you want to run. I'm not talking about just a principle. I'm not talking about running wide where it's just a screen that gets somebody to ball. I'm talking proper set plays. You get your team ahead. You basically take the reins. Do you ever do you remember the first four movie Four first four? yeah foot of four i can never say my accent doesn't let it come through <laughs> properly like marvel's you know god of thunder Four. Yeah, yeah 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 and there's a scene in that where odin's on the on his horse and he, he kind of lifts the horse up and he leads the army into battle mm-hmm. and that's what you want udoka to do at that point just everywhere just stops and udoka's like right give me the reins we're going to run play x then we're going to run y then z we're going to build you know, we're going to get some easy looks and get seven or eight points ahead. And then we'll go back to our freewheel offense and we'll really lock in on D. And he's not doing that. He's very much just letting the chips fall where they lie, like fall where they may. And that that's just not good enough coaching for a team that clearly doesn't have it at all. This team is not constructed to just be able to freewheel an offense, free-wheel a defense. And I think that And I said this on a a YouTube show I'm doing. If you don't follow my YouTube channel, it's Adam Taylor MBA. Hit that subscribe button. Deuces. And the reason I tell you that is because every episode of the Celtics pod gets put on YouTube. So if you want to see my lovely face, you want to see Will's lovely face, Greg's lovely face, that's where we're at, man. Um, Back from our regularly scheduled program to our regularly scheduled (laughs) program. One thing I said on a recent YouTube show I did was I genuinely believe there's a, a developing culture of apathy that's performing throughout this roster where everybody's very apathetic oh we need to be better we need to do this and, and no one's doing anything about it and i think that udoka's holding guys accountable but it's very rare you hear udoka hold himself accountable when udoka's a big part of the problem his rotations are questionable pritchard did you see my tweet earlier about pritchard i did not so pritchard took 14 frees yesterday seven of them front rimmed out yeah, when no, you I, I, actually, your... I did
0: see this. I did see this. Yeah,
1: when you're front running your shots, it's a lack of power on the shot, or it's a lack of arc, or both. Pritchard has played 23 games this season, averaging around about 9.3 minutes a game. Yeah, the last five games, Pritchard's averaged 30 minutes a game. It was inevitable that his legs got tired. It was because you you haven't ramped him up slowly. It's like here's your nine minutes a game, Peyton. We're going to develop you slow. Bang! We want you 30 minutes a game. Oh, Pritchard, your shots aren't falling. I feel like Udoka runs these guys into the ground. If you're going to sign these 10 day guys, put these 10 day guys on the floor, even for three or four minutes. We know they're in the league, but they're not in the league for a reason. But at the end of the day, they're there to allow your guys to get a bit of rest to be impactful. Uh, rotations are bad, defensive bad, offensive bad. Udoka is bad. That's my take.
0: Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I, it's really hard to add on to that because I feel like we've had this conversation about Udoka, you know, already four or five times, and the toughest part is not seeing progression from these mistakes that we've seen in games earlier, and you know, I, I try to in my mind preach patience. He's a rookie coach, still developing. But it's the same mistakes. And even with these, you know, the the roster being hit with all these, you know, COVID protocols, there's been some silver linings. Like, for example, he has to play Peyton Pritchard, which now, if you're willing to play him, you know, 45 minutes a game, how are you going to justify to me, if this team is healthy again in a week or two, that you're playing him 11 minutes? You just played him 45 minutes. So don't you dare try and justify to me that he can't play 11 minutes. Like, that's just absolute nonsense. I, 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 I can't have that when, you know, when he comes back. But with email we have a different set of, a different cast here with, with all these protocols. But it's the same thing that we've talked about before, right? Kind of preset plays, preset playbook. I gotta stick to, you know, these couple of guys here. When you see the game going sideways, you know, why not plug in Joe Johnson? Why not plug in, you know, Broderick Thomas? Why not give some guys some extra moments, some extra minutes in here so that, you know, you can have fresh legs from guys that you need at the end of the game. It's just such clear mismanagement from Ime that it's, you know, it's hard to find a silver lining and it's, it's just getting more and more frustrating. And it, you know, it's unfortunate he's a rookie head coach. So there does need to be that patience that I mentioned, but it's uh, it, it's it's trying times for sure, Adam. And here's the thing, right? It's like if you're not giving guys an
1: opportunity, you're not gonna find diamonds in the rough. You don't think that some of these ten day guys are gonna find a, a spot somewhere because they've shown something. Greg I mean, Monroe I mean, will pro-
0: yeah. To your uh, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off there, Adam. But what to the your heck? point, look at the look at the entire Timberwolves team last night. Yeah. that team barely knew each other, and they look more cohesive than our entire unit. And this is the thing,
1: right? And like you can talk about chemistry all you want, but some guys are just hungry and they will make it work. And I, just, I think that's something that's missing from this Celtics team is a hunger. There's nobody there that's really hungry right now. And they say they are, but they're not playing that way. You know what I mean? And like uh, I think that's a big thing. Like Udoka's not giving guys a chance to be successful. And CLNS media put out some today so yesterday for anybody listening on their Celtics all access page and it was like a seven minute discussion between John Zanis, Jimmy Toscano, A. Blakely and Bobby Manning shout out to them guys they all did excellent work there and their, their whole thing was it was very much predicated, well, the last half of it, so the like last three or four minutes, was very much predicated on the Celtics player development. And the question that they raised were, are the Celtics committed to player development? Because if you look at the players that are on the roster right now, Neesmith, Pritchard, Langford, to a lesser extent, Rob and Grant. Does... Have they really developed these guys? I mean, Grant went away in the summer, worked out on his own, lost that weight, developed that three-point shot. You can't put that down to the team's player development schemes. Um, John Zanis of CLNS made the point of saying that Robert Williams basically just forced his way into the rotation by being impactful. It wasn't that they developed him, it's just that he was like, "Yo, I'm sick of sitting on the bench, watch me go do some nut stuff. And then you look at like Pritchard, Romeo, Neesmith, they they get minutes, but they're not put in positions to develop. Then Romeo is meant to be a guy that's slashing towards the room and exploding around the hoop. You're not putting him there. Neesmith is a movement shooter. You're asking him to spot up and then punishing him when he misses. Pritchard needs to be used more off the bench to develop a, a playmaking off the dribble game. Do you know what I mean? And it's only the last five games while the team's shorthanded that he's getting the opportunity to do so. Otherwise, he's just a floor-spacing guard that's undersized and you're really underutilizing the guy. So if the Celtics aren't, if Udoka and his coaching staff and the front office aren't committed to developing these guys, while the, issue, the, the impact is twofold, first of all, your young tradable assets are diminishing in value because they're not improving and teams will be less inclined to, to see them as, as a boat, like a, an upside in a deal. And secondly, you could be missing out on somebody that could be a highly impactful player for you in 18 months if you gave them the opportunity to develop into the player that their skill set dictates they are. So I think that's another issue. I don't necessarily put that all at Udoka's door, but he's definitely partly responsible for what we've seen this year in that scenario too.
0: You know, this is where Brad Stevens, where President Brad Stevens comes in. And, you know, just like to your Robert Williams point, his hand was kind of forced by Danny Ainge last year when he traded Daniel Tice to have to play Rob Williams. So as much as that was, you know, part of a, you know, saving some money on the luxury tax, that was also you have to play Rob. Now we're taking away, you know, your safety net and Daniel Tice, and you're going to have to play Rob Williams. I think potentially as we look towards, you know, that February 10th trade deadline, this is where, you know, Depending on, you know, it doesn't seem like at this point the Celtics are going to be true, you know, c- competitors in the East. I think, you know, obviously the 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 not making the play it would be a god awful disaster. I think they're probably they're still in that play-in range, and so you kind of have to start to to think ahead. And I think something that you know Brad Stevens can do is if one, like I said, if this team's healthy again, and Ime is still not giving Peyton Pritchard minutes, that's unacceptable. It's, it's just completely unacceptable with what he brings to this team. And as far as developing him and continuing to grow his development, you know, Chris Forsberg shout out in the broadcast about his offensive numbers and how him being on the court helps the Jays. Everything on this team should be geared towards helping the Jays who need to help themselves, but you need to help them as well. That's a part of this. And so what I think that could lead to by that February 10th trade deadline is if you can move Schroeder to get some future assets, you force Eme's hand into making him play a guy like Peyton Pritchard. So I think this is where potentially, you know, Brad Stevens, depending on what happens here over the next couple of weeks, we have another about, you know, five, six weeks before we hit that trade deadline. Uh, you're going to start to hear some of those rumors. And it's going to be Brad Stevens, you know, making his first real move because everything he did in the offseason, he did. I think he did a great job just upping the talent level with a very constrictive, uh, you know, budget to work with. But now what's that next step? What's the next step that President Brad Stevens takes? And this is where I think he may have to start forcing Ime's hand into doing some things that maybe he's not comfortable with. But, you know, we'll have to see how that plays out.
1: Yeah, and that means that to me, it's like if Brad feels the need to do that, the question is are Brad and Ime on the same page of what they want, what they envision this team being, or where they envision taking this team? Because the worst thing in the world that you want right now is for the head coach in the front office not to be un- in line with the vision of this team. And if Udoka is going against what he, he initially discussed with Brad, well, that's going to lead to issues itself. Mm-hmm. So while I completely agree that Stevens may be in a position where he needs to take away. Udoka's ability to kind of go against player development if Udoka agreed on developing these guys when he took the job and now he's not doing it well then that's a completely different discussion that would need to be had right because at the end of the day if I tell you I'm going to do X Y and Z when I take a job and I do A B and C well I'm not really fulfilling my job tokens yeah we've got Will's just got a new dog his it. name's Taco man what's Let's going on Taco yeah why is Taco, big fast here. dude come here come here boy Go on.
0: all right let me let me let me get him out of here real quick give me oh, one yeah, second yeah, here I'll Adam. So, i'll know. let you he's got, he's got you quick, for a minute dude. here oh, yeah so huge, i'm telling man. everybody man if you like, YouTube. he's getting, it's getting like his namesake
1: <laughs> if anyone's watching on the youtube show right now you would have talked took a quick glimpse of the puppy he's uh he's a big dog he's a very very big dog uh cute as a, cute as hell so i'm sure will's just gonna remove him from the vicinity i would have preferred if he kept him everybody needs a therapy dog but look i am a little bit fired up today i do feel like Jalen brown let us down a little bit i do feel like imeo is not working out the way everybody hoped i do feel like when you look at some of the veteran pieces around the team right now where 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 do we stand like dennis schroder J- josh richardson i feel like they have trade value right now and here's another point as well say you do assume that J- Jalen brown is a supplementary star which means he's technically like a 2b or a free yeah mm-hmm. for in, in terms of like pecking order which means you need that second star because you know co-stars you could have jonah hill and seth rogan james Fr- and that that movie is good you throw james Franco in there as a supplementary star that movie's excellent do you see what i'm saying is that kind of i mentality um but how do you get to that third star that second star how do you get to that co-star well what the first thing you need is to have some draft assets now everyone's like oh the celtics own all their own picks things are going to be great Not really, because the common consensus will be once you acquire that second, that co-star, your draft picks are going to be worth diddly squat. We're talking late first rounders or late second rounders, depending on what you give up. So if I'm Brad Stevens and I'm like, yo, we're going to have to position ourselves to bring in somebody else. We don't want to lose Jalen. We don't want to lose Jason, but we need to add somebody else. Well, now we need to start acquiring draft draft assets from other teams so that, that those draft picks aren't predicated on your success so they hold a little bit more weight in trade discussions. And th- that's when you do need to start building up trade value with younger guys like a Neesmith, like a Romeo, like a Pritchard. But you also need to keep in mind that, yo, Brand's halfway through his extension at this point. You know I mean? There's only two years left after this season until Brand's a free agent. Steaks up quick. Steaks up quick. If you don't think and he's going to stay... Maybe you You have to get that coaster, and and, and that's
0: and that's where like it's not a fun conversation to have about the Jays, but it's one that you know, like it's it's in the consciousness because it's relevant, like it just is. And now, for me, I think it would be extremely rare for me, or not rare, but I think it would be um, out of left field if something happens in season. But I think certainly by the time you get to the offseason, you want to at least be exploring all options. And you know, have an idea going into the next year of where you are going with this franchise. Is it the Jays, and we're fixing everything around them? Are we taking one of the Jays and trying to find another piece that works better? Provide complementary pieces around that. You know, I don't, I don't know what the answer is, but the reason that the conversation exists is because it's going to become a reality very, very soon. That you need to go one way or the other. And you know, you, you talked about it before we're not saying just give these these players away they're extremely valuable so a lot of it's going to depend on what you can get in return but the NBA moves quickly windows open and shut rapidly way before you think I mean think about it just a couple years ago when you have the Jays you have Gordon Hayward you have Kyrie Irving you have Al Horford this team's going to three out of four conference finals and most of the time they're you know at 80% health, 75% health, and you're looking at this team and you're saying, man, this team is going to run the East. That changed really, really quickly. So things are going to move, and you just have to be prepared for all of those. So I think what happens from now until the trade deadline will be some tea leaves that we can certainly read into as to what what Brad Stevens and this front office are thinking as far as the future goes, and I think this offseason will be extremely telling. I mean, because I don't know if you're the
1: same as me, but if this team's bad, but you can see a clear plan, there's a path that they're treading. They're walking down a specific road. I'm completely fine with that. I was here for a rebuild, you know what I mean? I'm cool yeah. with that. If you're bad and there's a reason why you're bad, fine. You're bad, but you've got Romeo Langford developing. You've got Neesmith developing. We're seeing signs of Grant Williams becoming a, a great glue guy off the bench. We're fine. That's fine. But right now, and i said this before, last year and for like the previous 18 months, the Celtics straddled a line between contending for a championship and rebuilding. And what happened was some of the stars didn't like that. They they like, you know, you weren't all in on contending. So you lose Gordon Hayward, you lose Kyrie Irving, you lose Al Horford. As a result, along the line, you also lose a Marcus Morris, you lose a Jay Crowder in trades, you move on from Aaron Baines and you're not only does your starting unit get weaker, but you're, bench unit gets weaker that the talent level there regresses so now fast forward 18 months you're still straddling a line but now the line you're straddling is between getting into the playoffs and rebuilding so you've literally sat on the same fence but the fence has got smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller and now you don't have to take a jump you just need to take a step you know (laughs) what i'm saying and i feel that's where we're at right now
0: it's like the um i think it's like a meme where it's like the guy poking poking him with the stick do something You just gotta do something. We gotta do something because because yeah. where we're at right now is 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 just not working. This team is consistently inconsistent. And you know, there's there's so many different I mean, this is why we keep circling around this conversation. There's so many different aspects of this team and organization that that we just need to to kind of find that direction and and maybe it will play itself out. Maybe maybe by the maybe by the end of the year, we'll look back and say, hey, that was you know, that was a cloudy time, but we've kind of found the path through the clouds. But right now, it's we're, we're certainly in the middle of those clouds, and it's really hard to see what what the path ahead is.
1: I'm very sad. <laughs>
0: I know, it's man. Not, it's been a sad podcast.
1: It's not good for my blood pressure, bro. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, man, I woke up this morning, and like I've got to the point, and this is bad, I already expect to have seen the Celtics lose. So I don't even turn my notifications off anymore. I'm just like, it is what it is. I wake yeah. up, I check my phone. I see like I'd put a tweet out yesterday saying how many players the symbols were missing and how the Celtics should have enough to get through. People are quote tweeting me like this age badly. I'm like, okay, they last what a shock. Then I've re- then I go onto like group chats that I'm in, whether that be the Celtics blog slack or whether it be the Celtics legend or whatever it may be. And I read the comments there. Now I'm like, yeah, I don't even want to watch this game. Like I don't want to have, like, I'm, I'm going to go get myself a cup of tea. I'm going to watch some TV for a little while. Just relax. Then I'm like, right, it's time to start work for the day. You know, I've got articles to do. I've got YouTube to record, podcasts to do. Got to watch the game. Can't talk about something you went not seen. Man, did I feel sad after that. You got to do it.
0: And I, then I like, feel man. you, man. I feel you.
1: And then you ask yourself, you're like, I love my job. I love the I love the fact that I get to do what I do for a living. But at the same time, it's like, man, that was a bad I just didn't want that start to my morning, man. You know what I mean? We're two days after Christmas, bro.
0: I know. I had to do this. So last night, so I'm, I'm in El Paso, Texas right now, at my girlfriend's family for for Christmas and the holidays. And so last night, we uh, with her family, we went and saw Spider-Man. Great time. Is it Great good? movie. Oh, it's fantastic. If you haven't seen it, highly yeah. recommend it. It's, to it's unbelievable. And actually, I'll be honest with you, Adam, that's my second time seeing it. So I've seen oh, it once now. Oh, yeah. Well, see, we had seen it once because we couldn't wait. And then we got here and a few of her cousins and her brother hadn't seen it. And so they proposed the idea. And she's like, would you be okay seeing it twice? Two seconds instantaneously. Let's go book the tickets. And so I didn't actually see. So I only saw the first quarter live last night. So I knew I was going to watch it this morning. So I kind of had to go through your experience that you just described, left the theater and my phone is just full of whether it's, you know, friends of the Celtics, uh, you know, friends of mine that aren't fans of the Celtics that are relishing in, in the, you know, the state that we're currently in, but my phone is just blowing up and I even, you know, Greg and I did a did a podcast for our other show earlier today. So same as you pull in double duties on a team that I was not happy to have my morning coffee and watch a game where I knew what to expect. I knew what was going to happen. I knew Greg Monroe played great. I knew Jay Norwell played. Great. I knew, you know, Nathan Knight was going to go off. And you're just sitting there waiting for misery to happen. And now I had to talk about it two different times today. It, it's been tough times, man. It's been tough times, but... Here's the thing. This season is so freaking weird. Tell me this, Adam. Would you be shocked if we end up back here, you know, in a couple days, and somehow the Celtics beat the Clippers and Suns back to back? No, not shocked at all. It wouldn't exactly. change how I feel. Exactly. But I wouldn't be shocked. Yeah. That's 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 the whole thing. Is we're like just as much as they're stuck in that in that state that you mentioned a few minutes ago. So are we as fans because the highs are there the lows come just as quickly right after so it's really tough to figure out what to make of this team and i don't know check check back in on friday we'll tell you how we're feeling then it's probably gonna be pretty similar
1: yeah unfortunately but we're (laughs) gonna do our best we're gonna do our best until then i hope everybody had a great christmas i hope you are getting ready for the new year staying safe doing all the fun things with the family the friends the you know the partners if you've enjoyed this show, which honestly I think you should have because we're entertaining and we're fun, uh, whether or not it's sad or not, we would like you very much to scroll down on your phone, find those five stars on the. If you're using an Apple device, it'll be five stars. They're transparent, they're translucent. Press, I like that word. Press the five star, the fifth star. The, what will happen is it'll pop up gold, and it will be like ta-da! You've left us a nice five-star review. Helps to show out enormously. If you do that, if you scroll a little bit further down, there's like a message box. Tell us how much you love us, why you love us, what you could do to make us look, what we could do to make you love us more. And we will happily work on that too. If you're watching on Facebook Live, I appreciate it. Will appreciates it. Make sure to follow the show Celtics blog podcast on Apple or wherever else. And you can catch the other episodes that we release through the week. If you don't have an iPhone and you're not watching on YouTube or on Facebook, then my boy Will here is going to tell you what you need to do
0: word of mouth shout out to ludicrous that is always a great way to go ahead and spread the good word of the Celtics blog podcast so if you're like me you're hanging out with family this week make sure you tell your aunt make sure you tell your uncle tell your cousin tell your god cousin tell your tell your godson your goddaughter tell tell your nep- nieces, nephews anybody that really wants to enjoy some fun Celtics talk in the middle of a really unfun stretch come join us come hang out with myself Adam Greg Celtics Blog Podcast, three man weave. Tune in. Namaste. Disrespecting you, hate is <laughs> I ain't sweating. You're
1: Y'all but testing my patience. Never did it for a check. I've been impressed with the.